0: Hi, James here. During the editing process, I noticed a small geographical error in my review of The Sound of Music. Fortunately, we've seamlessly removed these mistakes, but we apologise to the country of Switzerland nonetheless. Enjoy the show.
1: It's Austria, you idiot!
0: Welcome back to The Shipping Forecast. I'm James, joining me is Grace. Hello! And Nick! Grace always gets top billing. Yeah. Oh, does she?
1: I'm so sorry, Nick.
0: (laughs) I keep meaning to alternate, and in my head, I've alternated it, but I... It's okay, Jim. I can see why your loyalties (laughs) lie. Remind me next episode. Nick comes first.
1: Bros before hoes, James. Jesus.
0: (laughs) Anyway, welcome back to Chernobyl. Um, We've taken our fanfictions away. And we've had time to read all of them, and we're going to review them. So, we're going to do this a bit differently than we did with Doctor Who. Because in Doctor Who, we did it all in one episode, and that took about two hours.
1: It was horrendous.
0: It was horrendous. This time, we're going to do them in three different episodes, and then we'll talk about them all at the end as a final wrap-up. We'll probably review each one individually in the episode as well. So, I welcome you to the first part of three... And we're going to start by talking about Suspenders. Hmm. Grace, why don't you tell us about Suspenders?
1: So, Suspenders. Let's start off with who it's by and the summary. So it's Suspenders, it's by Insanity Abyss. And the summary starts with this. After getting over this shocking moment, Dyatlov made his way back home one hand still holding his pants just in case they slip again he did not want another incident like that one before the situation itself was already embarrassing enough to him it almost feels like his hard shell got some sort of dot 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 crack
2: hmm is
1: has this been has
2: this been mis because i can see an archive warning saying graphic depictions of violence oh it doesn't seem it doesn't seem very violent so far. Admittedly, we have just read the summary.
1: Uh, ex- oh, sorry, I got it mixed up with M M/M, slash M, which means it's gay, gentlemen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked that we have a gay fic in Chernobyl.
1: It's the relationships are Victor. Uh, Brukhanov. Yeah, that's right, Brukhanov. and Anatoly Dyatlov, Alexander Akimov. Leonard topped it off. Nice.
0: So, I'm not the most familiar with gay slang, but I've been told that a top is something. is part of how partnerships work. So, could Leonard topped him off, perhaps, be the top in this relationship?
1: I, I don't know, because the additional tags mention Victor top and Anatoly bottom, but not, not anyone else. Oh, so so we don't know indeed
0: it's actually before we begin um crack fiction that's a that's a technical term isn't it
1: it is but it's not meant in this fic oh so it's a part of the summary but after reading this i realized that it's someone's interesting handle on the english language maybe not necessarily fully crafted yet uh, they're talking about an actual crack in a shell, but um, no yeah crack fic is one that's meant to be silly on purpose But I don't I don't think this is I'm not sure I really don't okay is, can I can I
2: make an observation? I've just been sort of skimming the the first paragraph here. Yeah, a lot of these fix because mine was as well, but a lot of these fics seem to be reco- uh, seem to be written in the in the present tense, Oh. which takes a little bit of getting used to. Because <laughs> I've only I've only read one uh, one book in the present tense. I didn't mind it. I think it was by an author called Paula Danzinger, and I think it was about a summer camp in America or something like that.
0: Yeah, I thinking about books I've read, there's not very many written in present tense.
1: Oh, I've read many in present tense. So I, I don't know. We're reading different books.
2: I think all Grace is. I think all Grace reads is fanfic.
1: Not, not just general fiction.
2: I mean,
0: didn't didn't Twilight and Fifty Shades both start out as fan fiction? Shut up. no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'd like to. alright, I thought this fic was going to be about. Anatoly Dialov having, like, have, struggling to keep his trousers up, and Victor just jumps him because sex happens in this. But no, there's a bit more to this, gentleman. I, I thought this would all take place during a nuclear meltdown, but first thing they clear up, first chapter, is that today he must tell his boss, Victor Brukhanov, whatever the fuck his name is, about the successful test.
2: Oh. Oh! It's an alternate reality!
1: There is no nuclear meltdown, for starters. Oh. So, yeah, he succeeded in the test. Huh. He managed to not poison his nuclear reactor or cause a violent explosion. (laughs) Well done, Anatoly.
0: Do you think the divergence in the timeline was that he forgot to put his suspenders on? And thus because he was holding up his trousers the entire time he wasn't yelling at the men as much <laughs>
1: here's, oh no here's the thing this hap- this is this is this all this shit happens afterwards after he's had a successful test he's gone to bed has to get back up again and he notices that he can't find his suspenders anywhere oh no it's like, an absolute fucking nightmare they're gone okay no here's another thing i want to complain about is that is that they use the word nice as a descriptive word very frequently and it's pissing me off something ridiculous. I ended up turning into a drinking game. (laughs) After a refreshing cup of coffee and a nice shower, he finally looks like a person who had a successful night. His hair nicely brushed back, his beard all trimmed and his suit. Wait, his suspenders are nowhere to be found. What a nightmare. Without the without those his pants, which do not fit at all, will slip and slide the whole time.
2: (sighs) Slip and slide the whole time. That's exactly what my jeans do when I don't wear a belt.
1: Yeah.
2: And
0: at least you can relate to the outlaw in this situation.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Though he didn't have a beard. Hmm? He had a tash. Yeah. But not a beard, yeah.
0: Okay, so what kind of disasters await Yatlov as he goes to tell off about the test?
1: Okay, so... He... he, t- he was the test of success? Uh... You know, yes, comrade, da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> he looks down and he notices his pants are about to slip again. And, of course, they do slip again. Victor notices. And, for some reason, they both go to grab the trousers. <laughs> <laughs> And then they sort of look up and sort of blush and go, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to. He turns around and he goes. And, uh, you know, Dyatlov is contemplating why Brukhanov is suddenly so insecure, but also suggesting at the same time. And it's like, what?
0: I think I've had this nightmare.
1: Really?
2: (laughs) It's what, somebody's helping you pull your kegs up?
0: No, where I'm in a meeting with my boss and I'm reporting on things, and suddenly my trousers just fall. It's like ah,
1: (laughs) Christ.
2: It's usually less romantic, though. Actually, the similar thing has happened to me while I was lifting an engine into the parts van. (laughs) Go on. Um. Well, yeah. Bent down. This split. Ah. Like, from from crotch all the way to the back.
1: So you ended up with a <laughs> pair of tights.
2: Yes, I ended up with a pair of tights that were then held together by Staples for the rest of the day.
0: <laughs> and that's why at your work they call you Staples. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I have had many nicknames. Staples, unfortunately, wasn't one of them.
1: So, Anatoly Dyatlov. Doesn't know what to do with this. He's never had a had a, a romantic love interest or friends or anything, according to this. So what does he do? He goes to his work colleagues for advice.
2: Brave man, brave, brave man.
1: Despite the fact it states that they all shit themselves in front of him, in here, like they're really scared of him. They don't like Anatoly Dyatlov. Imagine chilling out in your house and your line manager or whatever just comes to your house for relationship <laughs> advice. <laughs> like your most hated work colleague just shows up, and, you know. Okay, but it's it's worse because as mentioned in the tags, Akimov and, and Toptanov are are banging. So they're they're in the apartment together. Leonid is hiding in the bathroom or something in the in the bedroom even.
2: Oh, yeah, I've, I've just seen the last line, which is absolutely brilliant. Or the last conversation.
1: Oh, what the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Would you like me to read it? Please do.
1: Where, uh, where are we starting from, guys? What's Okay, Akimov now notices what's happening at the door. He quickly rushes in front of it and slams it shut. A thud is heard, followed by a faint scream of a male voice. What was that? Dyatlov looks at Akimov rather confused. Nope, nothing. He answers to Diatlov's question. That sounded like a man falling, you know. Diatlov continues. The sweat now dripping from Akimov's forehead intensifies. <laughs> 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 what should he say to his boss? Question mark, question mark. I got rats. Rats. Yes, rats. Nasty little rats. Did you name them all Leonid or just one? <laughs>
2: It's, I, I think that's pretty diatlov. I think he'd have like a, a Saki comment to say about the whole situation.
1: Yeah, I think that, I mean, yeah, that's probably the most realistic thing I've seen in this fanfiction so far, to be honest. So, chapter three, next to nothing happens apart from a long conversation with uh, Leonard and uh, Akimov going on about relationships stuff like that. They, they decide to help him with his uh, situation. Oh, Yeah.
0: So there's one thing I'm, I'm liking in this, and it was unusual watching the TV series because despite it being set in Russia, everyone was British in Chernobyl. But I'm noticing reading through these paragraphs, like we get to paragraph four, he's offering them tea or coffee, and it's like, okay, this is very British still.
1: Yeah.
2: It, it. What do yeah? But what did they drink in Russia? Vodka. <laughs> well, yeah, but not all the time.
0: What? Are you sure?
2: I suppose it's five o'clock somewhere.
0: Hell, you he just walked in on a romantic evening. They probably have a glass of vodka each. <laughs> yeah,
1: they're calling each other hon and shit. It's just
0: like, oh my god. Like the keyboard just goes, "Do you want tea or coffee?" And I talk goes, "Yes, tea, thanks, hon."
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> this is
0: a really British scene.
1: Yeah, this it is a
2: little bit, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's um this this is it this is what would happen if Chernobyl was set at Drax.
0: Yeah, this is the it's the Chernobyl Coronation Street crossover that everyone has been excited for.
2: Yeah, that's the one.
1: Oh god, isn't it. So they all meet up after work. As cute as that is, you know, work colleagues go out and they all go to a little cafe and it's it's cute and Oh fuck's sake. Dyatlov drives them all there and
2: Oh, hang on. Um Uh oh, it doesn't say hmm? I'm kinda disappointed. It doesn't it doesn't tell you what um car Dyatlov was driving. Ugh.
1: Shut up, now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, you could tell you could tell a, a lot about the status of a man in Russia. Um on what car he was driving?
1: It's it's okay. They mention they mention Victor's car later. Oh,
2: good. That's good. I'll look forward to that.
1: Yeah, you'll like the description of this car.
2: <laughs> Excellent. I bet it's a Gaz Volga. <laughs> oh, <mate. laughs> so there's a line in this
0: in chapter four that bugs me. Uh, it's Akimov looks back to them. What is something wrong? Is something stuck in my mustache? And then he taps his beard, confused. <laughs> Does he have a beard or a mustache?
1: Oh, God, who fucking knows?
0: <laughs> they, it's the fact that they know it's a mustache and not a beard. And they keep calling it a beard anyway. Because as far as I remember, no one has a beard.
1: Maybe, maybe they do remember him having a beard for some reason. Maybe he's not accurate to the to the cinematic... Portrayal? <laughs>
0: the Chernobyl Cinematic Universe.
1: Oh god, shut up.
2: <laughs> no, that's clearly a mustache. It's just an AU, but the only difference is that I, the um the disaster never happened and Akimov's got a goatee.
1: God's sake. Yeah,
2: so <laughs>
0: <laughs> if Akimov just grew a beard, none of this would have happened. <laughs> oh wow Oh yeah, hold on. Yeah. Did you just
2: read the knife? Yeah, t- Top Tonom's getting stabbed.
1: Look, yeah, yeah, this is where it all fucking kicks off. <laughs> <laughs> you see, honestly, God, I was falling asleep, and then suddenly I sat bolt upright in my bed, poured a fucking bottle all over the fucking carpet, and <laughs> I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, there's drama in this. Like, no wonder. <laughs> Yeah, so basically, in the middle of broad daylight, some guy tries to fucking slice uh, Tuptin Toptin Topten- throat open.
0: Just out of nowhere, as well, by looks of it. <laughs> but no,
1: but the no, but the attacker did not take Dyatlov into account, <laughs> right?
2: Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, fucking Dyatlov goes.
1: While he was busy with Akimov and Toto, Dyatlov took the broom of the cafe's employee and smashed it onto the man's head, who then goes to his knees and blacks out, Nobody messes with me, Dyatlov says, as he watches him fall to the ground.
2: (laughs) That sound you can hear is the Soviet national anthem playing in the background. (laughs)
1: Oh, God's sake. Yeah, so they, th- they thank Diatlov. Thank you so much, comrade Dyatlov, they say. and You know, with tearful eyes and, you know. Yeah, and, then, and then it says, however, this man, who attacked them? Who is he? And why did he attack? So there's something else going on. Well, they won't find out now.
0: Okay, before we find out what's going on, here is my theory. And we're going to find out if I'm right or not later on. Okay. Is this a dream? Is Diatlov? He's getting all this hero worship. He's got the. He's got his boyfriend. His colleagues really like him.
1: No, no, he hasn't got his boyfriend. He hasn't got his boyfriend. He's getting help to get a boyfriend, but
0: yeah, he's getting help. But his colleagues like him, and he stopped the explosion. I feel like this could be a dream.
1: No, listen, listen. There was no possible explosion.
2: Oh. Uh... Oh yeah, it didn't happen because the test was successful.
1: Yeah, like there was there was no fucking bump in the road. That's true.
2: But to me, this sounds like
0: a dream Diatlov could have had in the infirmary.
1: Oh, it does. It really does.
0: Like he's sat there and he's thinking about a different time, an alternate timeline, and he can't remember if Akimov has a beard or not, and that's why it's unsure.
1: Oh, maybe. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a solid theory right there, but.
2: It's just they're, It's just their delirious thinking thinking about, like, God, that would make me badass.
1: It's like when you've had an argument with someone, like, and then you think of how differently it could have gone, and you just sit and think, and I think, God, oh, God, I'd have been so cool if I just said this, and everyone would have liked me.
2: <laughs> yeah, if I'd have just broken the broom over his head. And then he wakes up, and he's in the infirmary just alone. With radiation poisoning. With radiation poisoning.
1: Okay, okay, so after this, the police take the mysterious guy away. The three blokes make their way back to Akimov's flat. So finally Akimov returns from the kitchen with the tea for Totanov. So he starts.
0: So they're drinking tea again for... <laughs>
1: Yeah, they're drinking tea again. What? <laughs> what shall we do now? Everything is reported to the police, but there is still the possibility of danger, especially with the grant opening of the amusement park in a few days.
2: Oh. Oh, okay. That was pre that was pre disaster then, because the amusement park was scheduled to open. I think it was like a couple of days after the accident actually occurred.
0: Oh. Okay, There's, so they've done their research on this alternate timeline.
2: Yeah, 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 they have. That's that's quite impressive. However, can I can I read a um can I read a line? I've just noticed it doesn't sit right with me, but it sounds like it should be um part of that chapter of Harry Potter that was written by an AI. Do you remember that one?
0: I do. Okay.
2: It was yeah. It was um, Diatlov, who is a nervous bundle of bricks, <laughs> still sits inside his flat.
1: Yeah, he was as nervous as a bundle of bricks. <laughs> it's
0: an odd metaphor. To me, the take-home for this chapter, though, is the amusement park's going to open, and he wants to take Brukhanov with him as a date. That's the impression I get.
1: Yeah, he's he's going to uh, he's going to ask him out at the opening. Is what his plan is. Yeah. Right, he's sitting there like a nervous bundle of bricks because he's waiting for Akimov and Toptenov to come get him to go to the opening together. If he comes too late to the celebrations... Oh, God, Bri... Brukanov. <laughs>
0: it's Brukanov.
1: <laughs> Brukanov. Hey! Bru- <laughs> Brukanov will... My- Why can't they just call him Victor for fuck's sake? It's just... Oh, everything else is English. Make it easier for me.
0: They learnt to spell it and the going with it.
1: <laughs> yeah, clearly. Every- oh, last name terms. What's going on? Will most likely not be available for him for the rest of the evening. Finally, the doorbell rings. Thank God. Dyatlov rushes to the door like a madman. Furious, he opens the door... Dot, dot, dot to discover who is on the other side. It's not Akimov or Toptonov on the other side of the door... Is Victor.
0: (gasps) (gasps) Dun, dun, dun.
1: (laughs) Freezes in motion, his eyes growing wide. He stares at the man in front of him, speechless. The panic is strong within him. What should he do? What should he say? Maybe he should just slam the door shut and hide under the bed for the next 15 years like the coward he is.
0: (laughs) So you know an anime where it kind of goes like a pink petal background when people see people they like? Oh, that's God, kind so. of what I'm imagining like, when the door opens. It's just like,
2: shh. I've just had a thought. Yeah? Do you know if Dyatlov did go and hide under the bed for the next 15 years?
0: He'd miss the fall of the USSR.
2: Yeah, but wouldn't the Chernobyl disaster be prevented?
0: Oh, maybe.
2: So indirectly, it is Bru- uh, Brukhanov's fault, and that's why he was in the dock with Dyatlov
0: this is a strange timeline so have you been looking at the comment section by the way
1: I, I decided not to
0: I just had a quick look and there's one comment that caught my attention and it says "Oh whoa, I love it lesson 3 <laughs> Brukhanov and Dyatlov is my favourite ship from the whole series
2: that's a funny way of spelling Shabina and Lagasov. <laughs> they definitely have a controversial opinion
1: Okay, so opens the door. It's Victor. Good evening, comrade, he says. Victor smiles. He carries a single rose with him, holding it up Oh no, it's <laughs> <laughs> I'm <a little> brutal. <laughs> I was wondering if you want to spend me company at the opening ceremony today. Diatlov takes a step back. What did he just say to him? The utter confusion is written all over his face. He is not prepared for this. Luckily, this time he has his suspenders and they sit yes, all tight (laughs) to keep his pants up. Yay. Well done.
0: So I have a question. So just thinking back to the last chapter, Dyatlov is at Akimov's flat, last we check. He doesn't go home. How did Brukhanov find
2: him? I don't... Um, there's... A, no, the, uh, no, hang on. The There must, the must be a little bit of writing which says that he goes home to his own flat.
0: Yeah, I'm just having a look, because I smell a plot hole.
1: If this is the only plot hole you've smelt, then you're nose blind. Oh, hang on a
2: sec. It's, um, uh, the days pass and May finally arrives.
0: Okay, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough.
2: Well, I'm kind of hoping that Dyatlov hasn't just gone into Akimov's <laughs> flat
1: and just refused to leave for months. You never
0: know. <laughs> so Brukhanov shows up with a rose.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, he shows up with a rose and he takes him off out.
0: He's got his suspenders on.
1: He's got his suspenders He's ready. He's ready for this date. He's had He's had time.
2: <laughs> so fucking ready.
1: Relax, Conrad. No worries. I won't bite. He giggles. <laughs> <laughs> Heads downstairs together with his man. Dyatlov still can't believe what's happening to him. They make their way down into Victor's fancy car. Oh! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Dyatlov looks around inside the car. There might just be this one chance to investigate what secrets may hide here. But there is nothing much to see, sadly. The car is all clean and tidy. Besides a few recently smoked cigarettes, there is nothing to report.
2: Well, that's historically inaccurate. It was the, Sov- it was the Soviet Union. There were no fancy cars.
1: But I'm glad, like, you got to know what kind of car he had. It was a fancy car. I told her you you'd like it.
2: I would have preferred a make and model, but that'll do.
1: Apparently it has an engine and it drives towards the amusement park if you want any more information on this car.
2: I'll write that in my notes.
1: Okay, so basically Dyatlov and Victor end up on stage.
0: Yeah, why does that happen?
1: He gets, Dia- he gets Dyatlov to cut the ribbon for the opening ceremony.
2: Huh, of the amusement park. Yeah. That makes sense. Because um, Victor Brukinov, uh his sort of task wasn't just to, uh, um, like, uh, oversee the construction of the power plant, but also Pripyat itself. Oh. So that would make sense why he was up there.
0: So, of course, his date gets to open the... Okay.
2: Well, <laughs> I mean, I think the plan was for him to do it, but he was like, no, this is all romantic and...
1: Okay, yeah, so so they head to the to the big wheel, uh, and, you know, they're, they're looking out over the forests and rivers of Pripyat and everything. Oh. <laughs> Anatoly, Victor asks him from aside. side. Dyatlov looks at him, again with a shocked expression. No one called him by his actual name for such a long time. It felt strange to hear it again. And out of Victor's mouth, it gains even more special tone. Yes, he then answers, cheeks flushing.
0: And then they smooch.
1: Yeah, then they smooch. Yeah, there's—I mean, there's a bit, there's a big old speech by Victor first.
2: Oh, can I can I read a bit of this? I th- I think I've seen the bit that you're going to read. I don't know what came
0: over me, but at the moment your pants drops, I felt the need to give you a helping hand. <laughs> I was so embarrassed that day. I could not contain myself. I felt guilty. Please forgive me. <laughs> uh... <laughs> this is is this the most romantic thing we've read on this podcast?
1: God it might. I don't know. Ugh. So far, maybe. Okay, chapter seven, guys, just so we're clear, wow, is very explicit, because there are warnings all over oh, in the now Warning, 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 warning. This chapter is very explicit. If you are soft-spoken and cannot handle mature-slash-explicit content, I ask you to skip this chapter. Thank you. Is anyone is anyone here soft spoken and cannot handle mature slash explicit contact? Turn away. Okay, I'm
0: I'm out, so.
1: How explicit is
2: this gonna get?
0: Cause in which Amy grows a penis did not have this many warnings.
2: Hang on a minute. Something's just come to me, right? This is made all the more awkward by the fact that Victor Brukanoff has a wife. Ha! Huh. <laughs>
1: Oh, shit. <laughs> Didn't know that.
2: Not in this, I suppose. Not in this alternate universe where Akimov has a beard.
1: Okay, so they share ice cream together. You know, they're acting shy and all that bullshit. And How about you come and sleep at my place tonight, Tolia? Is it okay if I call you Tolia? Or does it make you feel uncomfortable? Victor asks with a gentle smile on his lips. But yeah, Dyatlov agrees. He takes Dyatlov's hand again, standing up dragging the other man with him gentle. His moment... Is smooth and angelic. It's like a trance, and Diatlov just follows with it.
2: This is the short, stocky guy with curly hair who runs the fucking power plant. Yeah. <laughs> smooth and angelic.
0: Smooching the guy with the Tom Selleck mustache.
1: <laughs> okay, so so they're in. T-
0: <laughs> with one hand, he starts to open Diatlov's pants. With the other, he starts to take off the suspenders. Ha
1: <laughs> ha!
2: I'm sorry, but... No, I'm I'm really sorry, but they describe it as a gentleman's sword. <laughs> I was Where's getting that? to that. I was looking <laughs> forward to getting to that. You bastards. Right, down to his gentleman's
0: sword to give it a nice massage.
2: Any immersion that was here, gone. Sorry, gone. Out the window. This was so romantic
0: until gentleman's sword.
1: Oh, my God
0: oh I'm sorry Chris.
1: <laughs> it's okay so, because we're reading it and of course I've just realised no one fucking knows what's going on because we're reading it and not actually saying what's happening they've gone back to Victor's flat they are kissing and having the sex okay right gentleman's sword is out <laughs> and <laughs> swollen penis is also out Okay? (laughs) Longer. Feelings are like roller coasters uh, in a positive way. (laughs) In a swift movement, Victor then takes his suspenders again, grabbing Dyatlov's arms and pulling them up to the head of the bed, tying both hands there. Dyatlov opens his eyes again, wondering what's going on. Victor stands up and taking the other pair of suspenders that belong to Dyatlov, and returns to the man on the bed.
0: So he's... oh.
1: With force, Victor jumps onto Dyalov, piercing him down to the bed and wrapping the suspenders around the neck of Dyatlov. Dyalov, on the other hand, opens his eyes wide in fear. Is that some weird sex practice he's not aware of? But against what he expected, Victor ties the suspenders tighter and tighter without mercy or hesitation. Dyatlov starts to choke. He can't move or breathe anymore. Closes eyes, losing consciousness, blackout. Did this just turn into a snuff pick? Yeah. No, it hasn't. She'll tell you why. Because chapter eight, the window breaks with a loud clanging noise. Shards of glass fall to the ground right next to the bed. A slender figure dressed completely in black breaks through the said window. His face is covered with a black bandana, protection glasses and a beanie. What? (laughs) With a forceful swing, he slams Victor off of Dialov, taking a knife and cuts both pairs of suspenders to free Dialov. So, can we
0: just process what's happened
1: here? No, because this is how I processed this. It just hit me like a fucking brick.
0: (laughs) Okay, let me stop and process this. Okay. They're having sex. The gentleman's sword is out. Yeah. They're doing their thing. Yeah. Brukhanov starts choking Diatlov with his own suspenders.
2: Yes. Who just lays there and takes it.
0: Just lays there and takes this. They didn't set up a safe word. This is very bad kink. Yeah. A ninja has just broken through the window. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Essentially, a Russian ninja has just broken through the
0: window. <laughs> what is this thing? <laughs>
1: Never mind that. How how did he get in? Like it's an apartment. How many stories is he up?
0: <laughs> yeah, he, I assume he just swung through James Bond style, like from the other building.
1: I don't know. See, honestly, this is what's funny is that I was reading this and it and it sort of jumps into a fucking superhero film halfway through. Yeah,
0: like the first seven chapters were quite a slow burn, and <laughs> then we get to choking gentlemen, swords, and ninjas. So so there's a fight.
1: Okay, there's a fight. Victor goes down and falls to the ground. The figure in black grabs Diatlov, who still la- lays like a sleeping beauty, <laughs> says, you better be thankful, he mutters, picks up Diatlov and jumps out the fucking window all the way to the ground. <laughs> of
0: course. Probably does like the superhero pose.
1: It says, the jump would never be humanly possible, but the figure does not stumble a bit, landing perfectly without any injuries. What? (laughs) The fact alone that a man of his statue can lift a man like Dyatlov, even though Dyatlov is not overweight, but the relation on the two men is dot, 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 not even close to equal. So,
0: I feel like that was a, like,
1: I don't Did Dyatlov write
0: this or something? Like the way it's like man like Dyatlov, even though Dyatlov's not overweight, he's in good shape, guys. <laughs>
1: like that sounds <laughs> it does sort of backpedal a bit, doesn't it? It's just like, now. Nah, hang
0: on. Do we find hang out on. who's in the mask?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we do. Is uh is caught by Sitnikov having a a black bandana fall out of his rock sack. It says it's his father's. And then Sitnikov opens the door to Victor's apartment with Victor sitting on the bed together with the man who attacked Tuptinov prior in the cafe. It's true, just as we thought. Tuptinov is the traitor. Sitnikov looks at the two. Victor, who still holds his shoulder and neck, looks up to him. The attack last night left its marks physically and visually. With a groan, he shakes his head. We need a new plan. This,
0: I'm so confused. <laughs> yeah. So is this ninja superhuman? Because that's how it seems.
1: So at the moment, Tuptanov is looking pretty, pretty super. Yeah. So what's what's strange now? You start to see Akimov and Tuptanov's uh, relationship start to fall apart here, because Akimov doesn't know about the bandana or the ninja shit, apparently, and you know. Tuptanov starts going, oh, don't touch my shit, and you know, and he's Akimov's like, oh, why are you so angry about it? And he's like, oh, just leave it alone. That sort of rubbish. And and uh, so yeah, Tuptunov then goes to have a shower, and Akimov thinks, oh, you know, I want to know what the fuck's going on. So he right, he's never been to his apartment before, or his flat. So he nicks his keys, and goes to Tuptonov's flat. Oh. Inside the flat is dark, very, very dark. He opens the door even more and lets his hand lurk inside to find the light switch. He looks around, tears rising up in his eyes. What has he just discovered? His man, the man he loves, the most gently person in the universe, a criminal mastermind, impossible. What the fuck?
0: Yeah, I'm so lost.
1: I'm I'm guessing that like Tuptanov is, is superhuman KGB and uh, he's working against, uh, Victor and three other blokes, two other blokes for some reason. Yeah, he investigates further. There is a layout plan, of the Chernobyl power plant building. What is that? Akimov reads through some of the papers. Quickly he understands. It's a plan to blow up Reactor 4. Oh. It, it was planned for the day of the safety test on April 26th during the night shift. This would have meant his doom and the doom of everyone in Pripyat, if not the whole world. There are no possible explanations why Tuftunov would do something like that. It would be a suicidal act with consequences way beyond that. Fortunately for everyone, Diatlov was supervising the safety chest and was in grand charge of every action. (laughs) (laughs) Action. It looked like Tuptanov was not able to drive down the reactor that night. All thanks to Diatlov, he saved them all unknowingly.
2: Of course he did. I get the feeling
0: this was written by Diatlov.
1: It was, wasn't it? It's got to have been. It looks
0: to me like he was gonna blow up Chernobyl, but then he fell in love with Diatlov, and he chickened out.
1: No, this is this is Tuptanov's flat.
0: Oh, what? Oh, I'm guess. I thought this was evidence of Brukhanov.
1: Akimov's confusion was rising just as much as all the readers.
2: Hold on, so was Brukhanov planning to blow it up?
1: No. Toptonov is planning to blow
2: it uh, to blow it up.
1: Yeah. Toptonov has all the fucking plans to blow up Chernobyl. Akimov, is his lover, is in his apartment oh, okay. going, what's all this then?
2: And he's got evidence that Brukhanov's committed several cases of murder in and around Pripyat. Yeah. Yeah. But Why? <laughs>
1: Where the fuck is this going?
2: Okay, let's keep
0: going.
1: Ak- Akimov, who has just been to spy Tuktonov's flat, goes back home to his apartment where Tuktonov has just got out of the shower and has confronted him about all the BS he's got in his flat. And he's just, he's just gone, oh, I'm sorry, and shoots him between the eyes.
2: Oh my, I feel bloody hell... I feel so lost and confused, and the worst thing is, the worst thing is, that's the last chapter.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: Actually, I think they're still writing it, aren't they? It's chapters nine out of question mark, so I think this is continuing.
1: Oh god, I've just noticed something which I didn't pick up on. Okay. It's where this all ties in now. Of course, Diatlov takes a look at the pics, curious, immediately spotting Victor in the background. My suspenders, he says, wondering. Yeah, like. It was, at the end of the day, it was Victor's plan to have Dyatlov's pants fall loose. He nicked his fucking suspenders. This was all planned!
0: Sasha, I trusted you. I loved you. I never thought you would be a traitor to me. I tried to save the city from an evil man, and you foiled my... So, he was blowing up the reactor to save the city from an evil man. What?
1: (coughs) Uh, and, yeah, Akimov calls him out, blowing up the reactor might save the city. It would kill us all.
0: I know. <laughs> wait, wait, I know. His eye's glowing red, but this would be a better option than to fall victim to him.
2: So being shot is better than being strangled.
0: But more importantly, his eye's glowing?
2: Like...
1: I, I do, I can't, honestly, with this fic, I can't tell if it's metaphorical or not.
0: I, I think it's literal, you know, with the superhuman powers and all this stuff.
1: Oh god, do you know not suppose devils are in this?
0: It could be. I think we're gonna have to follow this up, you know?
2: I, I. I think we need to come back to this. I feel lost and confused, and I will not be satisfied until I know what happens and just know what the fuck is going on here. So,
0: Insanity Abyss, if you happen to be listening to this, please update. I need. We need to know.
1: Yeah, I. Like, honestly, I will retract every bad thing I've said about your figure if you just give me some fucking answers.
0: <laughs> so, are we ready to do reviews, Grace?
1: Reviews? Oh my god.
0: Yeah. So, uh, in terms of romance, how do you rate it out of five?
1: Um, I, find, I don't know. It's. Uh... It's it's very very school girly. It's kind of naive, and there doesn't actually seem to be any romance in it. It's all very one sided. It's just poor uh, Diatlov being a lonely old man, and just uh, no one actually loves him back at this point.
2: Okay, being seduced and then being choked to death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: that was rough. Like okay, uh, what about fitting into the canon? Like out of five.
1: Well, no. No,
0: out of five. I
1: mean, there were there were some nice touches with um, bits that would have happened and stuff, like the background research. That, although limited, there was some.
0: Yeah, the fact that the fairground I thought was a nice touch.
1: Yeah, yeah, they did quite well there. And
0: lastly, and I think I know the answers to this. How weird did you find it? Out of five.
1: Fucking six. Completely, that shit.
0: God, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> like it was.
1: Oh, it was fantastic in the worst possible way.
0: So, last one, which we didn't do for Doctor Who. Did you like it?
1: <laughs> I I wish I didn't. I mean, I hated it. I I fucking I fucking hated it. But I need answers.
0: Yeah, I think I like this one too.
1: It's, the, it's one of them slow
2: burners it's like it's like
1: hell it is
0: no, I agree with Nick
2: ah, uh. it was like oh it's just it's just your generic sort of romance sort of story and it's just gonna be about two characters fucking like all of these are, and then it just goes from zero to a hundred and it stays there until the last chapter.
0: Yeah, I like it when fix surprised me, and this one absolutely surprised me. I was here for comedy. <laughs> I thought this was the light-hearted, fun one that we gave you.
1: No, you gave you gave me East Pripriot.
0: <laughs> <sighs> dun 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 dun. <laughs> dun
1: du, 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 du. Huh?
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: so let's wrap up this episode with a more light-hearted one. Are we ready
2: for that? As ready as I'll ever be.
0: So, I spent the weekend watching The Sound of Music. And I say the weekend, it took two sittings, because this film is three hours long, and I didn't realise that when I started it out. So, (laughs) (laughs) strap yourselves in as I tell the story of the baddest bitch in Austria, Maria von Trapp.
2: (laughs) Nobody has ever said that about The Sound of Music before.
1: (laughs) The baddest bitch in...
2: Austria. Well,
0: <laughs> well, they obviously weren't watching the same film I was, because honestly, she proves herself a pretty bad bitch the whole way through. Did you enjoy it? We'll get to that when I do my reviews.
1: <laughs> so that's a yes.
0: So it starts out with Maria. You'll probably realise this, calling her Maria von Trapp is a spoiler in of itself. Uh, we're just going to call her Maria for now. She is living as a nun.
1: She's not actually a nun.
0: Yes, she's training to become a nun. She is a postulant, is the technical term. And they, the other nuns want rid of her. There's a whole song about how she would be terrible here, and one of them defends her and says, oh, I, she makes me laugh, but that's the only redeeming feature they can think of her. She, they send her out to go live with with the captain, Captain Von Trapp. Turns out this guy, he's been getting around. He has seven kids, and she has to help look after all of them. And they are the littlest shits you have ever seen on screen. Like, they give her a really hard time. <laughs> so, to establish dominance, she takes, the, she takes the curtains in the house, and she cuts them up into outfits for the kids. What? And she forces them to wear them. So, a bit of background on this. Captain Von Trapp, he wouldn't let them have clothes for playing around, and she insists that they need to have clothes that they can play around in. And this is relevant to the fic that we're going to cover later on.
2: Just... just hang on a second. I can't believe I'm doing this, because this was like a triple... the triple-A movie of its time, right? But didn't Captain Von Trapp walk in at any point and go, ''What the fuck have you done to my curtains?''
0: No, he was on a business trip to Austria at the time.
2: But what happens when he comes back?
0: He doesn't care in the end. Like, he sees them dressed up in the clothes, and he's like, man, those are some shit clothes. Those are hideous. Where did you get those? And she's like, I cut them out of your curtains. And he's just like, what? <laughs> and you think that would be fired on the spot, but she actually gets to stay for another weekend to then win him back, and... Obviously, they get married later on, but were it me, I would have kicked her out on the spot for fucking up my curtains.
2: I'm really sorry, this is fucking weirder than suspenders.
1: No, it's not.
2: (laughs) No, it's not. Not yet. Anyhow, putting the kids
0: in these ugly clothes makes them behave. Like, she properly establishes dominance by forcing them to dress up looking completely daft. Also, she teaches them to sing, which is kind of a side part in the story. It doesn't really come up that much, but yeah, she teaches them to sing. There's all this do re Mi stuff. So anyway, there's a party later on. They cu- It very much cuts to the party after all of this debacle with the clothes, and we meet our other villain, who is the, the third corner in this love triangle, whose name is... Baroness Elsa von Schreider, which to me sounds like a villain name. I don't know about you guys.
1: Yeah.
2: She sounds very Austrian.
0: Yeah, I think she is Austrian. And they... Maria and the Baroness vie for Captain von traps affections. And the Captain's set to marry the Baroness. And for some reason, the Baroness changes her mind. Like, she sees them being all doe-eyed at each other, and she goes, you know what? I don't want to get in the way of this.
2: I'm just gonna leave. That's convenient.
0: Yeah, this is the most anticlimactic villain setup I'd ever seen. Like, there's a brief moment where she's trying to convince Maria to leave.
1: Does, does that really make her a villain, or just a, a woman? She's not really a villain, is she? Come on.
0: Yeah, but if you go look at a picture of Baroness Elsa von Schrader, she's got this proper, like, femme fatale villain outfit going on.
1: Oh, she's just pretty.
0: Yeah, all the signs said villain, but it turns out she was just pretty.
1: <laughs> I'll
2: re- I'll I'll remember that the pretty ones the villains. Mm, usually, that's why Hitler was so gorgeous. We'll get to the Nazis later, but
0: first, first there's a wedding, and this is when. This is when Maria von Trapp proves she's the baddest bitch in Austria. And and this is why I think she's the baddest bitch bitch in Austria.
1: You enjoyed this, didn't you?
0: She she had a wedding at the nunnery she grew up in.
1: Okay. (laughs) So,
0: so look at this. She has gone from someone even the nuns didn't want. Like, a poor lass who they think is gonna go nowhere. Goes away for six months. Comes back with the handsomest man in all of Austria. This rich captain, and she marries him for all of those girls to see, and she's just like, "Suck it up, suck it up, scrubs."
1: Suck it, virgins! Look at look at look at the man meat I've just got with.
0: <laughs> Indeed. <laughs>
1: just so she goes all the way back to the
2: nunnery where she was kicked out, just to shit on them.
0: Yeah, like she may as well just T-pose down the aisle, to be honest, because. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> just just wandering down the aisle, middle fingers outstretched. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Pretty much. But they all sing and they all pretend they're quite happy for her, but you know, deep down, like
1: they fucking hate her now yeah. Yeah. But they're nuns, so it's a bit difficult to do that, isn't it?
0: Oh, the nuns always look disappointed.
2: Yes, there we go. Hey s- Hey sisters, how's that vow of celibacy working out for you now?
0: And then the Nazis show up.
1: Ah, oh, finally.
0: The Nazis want to enlist Captain Von Trapp in the Third Reich because he fought, I'm assuming World War I, it's never actually clarified.
2: It'll be World War I.
0: I mean, the ages don't really line up because he's like mid-30s and he's a captain, so maybe he was a teen in World War I. I don't know.
2: Yeah, there were a lot of teenagers enlisted in World War I. So I have,
0: I have just realised I've been saying Switzerland this entire time when I do in fact mean Austria.
1: Oh, I didn't
0: even notice. Oh, God. Way. Apologies for that. It is set in Switzerland, but that happens later, because they escape to Switzerland. I should probably have notes when I do the films next time.
2: Would you like another disclaimer? Nah.
0: I'm sure it's fine. So anyway, the Nazis show up. They try and enlist Captain Von Trapp, but he's like, no, I've got my hot wife here. I plan to stick around, and... Raise my kids. My seven kids.
1: and probably have seven more with this one.
0: Oh god, he's gonna have so many kids by the end. So they try and escape under the cover of darkness, getting out past, crossing the border to Switzerland, where they weren't this entire time. (laughs) And the SS catch them as they're travelling. Stuck on and thinking on their feet, they blag, Oh, we're not running away, we're just off to music rehearsals. We're going to sing at this um, at this show that's been foreshadowed this entire film, which I probably should have mentioned earlier on. <laughs> and I know what you're thinking. This is the plot of Inglorious Bastards.
1: Oh, God, it is, isn't
2: it? <laughs> Do you know what I was thinking? What? <laughs> <clears throat> uh, The, the SS... Mm -hmm. Hitler's famed, um, sort of, like, home defence force. Yeah. Outwitted by, nope, we're not escaping, nope, don't know what you're on about. Mm. We're off to sing in a music festival, I don't don't know what you're on about. Escaping, what's that? We're not escaping. To be fair,
0: they weren't entirely outwitted. Like, there's kind of some doubt, but they go, they escort them to the festival, so they have to sing, and then he can go be enlisted. Oh right. So it's it's not like they completely get away. It's fine. You've got to go up there and sing.
2: Oh, that's that's a shame. I, w- I was kind of hoping they'd sort of like pulled. Uh, These are not the droids you're looking for type of shit on them.
0: I'm af- I'm afraid Captain Von Trapp isn't that good. So they take the Nazis to to go see this festival.
2: <laughs> what all of them?
0: Yeah, well not all the Nazis, <laughs> just most of them, and. They all have to get up. They all get up and perform, and unfortunately, it doesn't go as inglorious bastards as I expected it would. It actually resembles more the scene from Muppets Most Wanted. They're singing and they each say goodbye as part of a song, and then they leave. Walking in the corner, going down, down, down. <laughs> and they just nope out. It's like as part of the song, they nope out in the musical number, and the Nazis like, "Hey, well done, good musical." Wait, what? (laughs) Where did he go? (laughs) (laughs) And the Von Trapps have already pegged it. And there's a bit of a car chase, and then they go hide in the monastery, and there's quite a moving scene between Captain Von Trapp and the guy his oldest daughter is sweet on, because he's joined the Nazis as well. And, yeah, they run away, they go to Switzerland, Live happily ever after. And that's the three-hour plot of The Sound of Music explained in roughly ten minutes.
2: That's right, so um, basically the entire military might of the Third Reich, um, outwitted by um, a war veteran, an ex-nun, and their seven sprogs.
1: And they sang as they did it.
0: Oh yeah, there's a lot of singing, I should probably mention. Did I mention the singing?
1: But how does this tie in with Chernobyl the musical?
0: You'll find out next week as I review The Sound of Love, the crossover between Chernobyl and The Sound of Music.
2: So... Oh, I can't wait for this. So until then, good night. Good night. Uh, Good Mm -hmm. night.